from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. It's the G and Ursula Show. Now, you know, Ursula, one thing about this show, our listeners that we listen to, which I tell people all the time, this is going on four years. The schooling that I've gotten and what I've learned from our listeners over the last four years, absolutely incredible. And by the way, in two in two days, it is going to be officially four years we've been I doing know. this show. It's flown by, no, just like today's show has. No doubt about it. Remember we... Oh, nothing. Uh, so anyways, what I was going to say was, is that I didn't know... Like this whole conversation about service dogs, service, yes. excuse me, service animals. Yes. And people are legitimately calling, telling us how many people are out there not with real, you know, service animals. Just, exactly. Just putting a little deal on them and saying service animal. Someone who works for a major airline says maybe one in 10 is truly a service animal. Yo, that blew me away. I know. <laughs> but uh, in any case, we'll share some of those text messages at the end of the show. Yeah. All right. Let's get to it. Agree to disagree. Brought to you by Garden Roofing and Gutters. One of these days, we just got to take off the gloves. Just really go at it. Gee, at 1030, you provided a pretty impassioned defense for uh, why Washington State should lower the blood alcohol from 0.08 to 0.05. And can you just sum that up? Because uh, I, I want to provide a little defense for perhaps why Washington State should reconsider doing so. So just uh, in brief, can you provide some reasoning and then Ursula weigh in? Okay. Um my reasoning is very simple. If I just go to a happy hour with my friends after work and I go and I hang out and I'm like, hey, guys, I got to drive. I'm only going to have one drink. And let's just say that I weigh 160 pounds and I have one drink. I leave from them. I head home on the way home. I accident. I, I get in a car accident. I hit a vehicle. I accidentally run a light. Oops. And I hit a vehicle and I hit a vehicle from and I T-boned them with a child in the back seat. That vehicle did not have that child in the car seat. So hypothetically, the injuries were a lot worse in that situation. Because I have to take a sobriety test in that accident, my BAC is 0.05. Technically, Ursula, I'm not 0.08 according to everybody thinking you're fine, but at the same time, that baby and that mom is severely hurt. I am going to get charged with vehicular assault, so not only am I going to have an issue with possibly uh, paying out for a long time, I'm also going to have an issue with I'm going to be in criminal court as well. That is the part that is not talked about when we're talking about BAC under 0.08. And I, I, I mean, I, as someone who doesn't drink alcohol generally, I'm going to say, you know, this doesn't affect me in, in that way. I don't have to worry about whether I can just have one drink or two drinks. Uh, that said, I think it's unrealistic to think that people uh, will not have a drink of alcohol at all when they go out and socialize. I love it when people say, hey, I'm designated driver. I'm not going to drink at all. And 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 they do that. I love it. Our, our, our boys do that. And I, I think that's the way to do it. But I know that's not realistic. So um, 
would I support lowering the BAC? Um, I would have to do more research and see that that it actually helps. It's only been done in Utah, um, and the results are mixed about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just knowing how difficult it is. I, I mean, again, I would just say don't drink and drive, period. But that all said, I can't imagine that, that the already overburdened courts would not uh, just become that much more burdened uh, if you're trying to litigate every single thing you know, now 0.05 instead of 0.08, not to mention the impact. If everyone's going to be not drinking, what impact that would have on the hospitality industry, et cetera, et cetera. But my main concern would still be for the safety of everybody. And I would, again, just say, don't drink and drive. Okay. well, I I think what would realistically happen if we lowered it to 0.05 is you'd have a lot more people in the state with criminal records who did nothing more dangerous than driving a little bit tired. I, I'm, I'm going to quote from the CDC here. Being awake for 17 hours is similar to having a BAC of 0.05. Okay, so I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, G. If I do not take a, a nap after work and I go get a gallon of milk at the store at 9 o'clock p.m., my level of impairment is exactly the same as someone who is at 0.05. We are a chronically tired society. And the simple fact is there are tens of thousands of people who are awake for seven, 17 hours a day driving on our roads right now. You are absolutely correct that if you drink anything and you crash, you can be held liable and you're going to get an additional charge because of it, because you have some alcohol in the system and you, it is going to be assumed that alcohol is the cause of that crash. You're absolutely right. But just because you can be held liable in a crash if your BAC is below 0.08 doesn't mean you should lower the criminal bar for people who have not caused accidents. Because what's going to happen is you have people driving home, right? I'm doing just fine. Just fine. I get pulled over. I have a tail light out, whatever. Please step out of the car and blow. And at 0.05, I am guilty of a DUI at that point. It is going to cost a lot of people about ten to $15,000 to either defend those charges in court or pay increased insurance costs over the next several years of their life for behavior that is normal in our society. And, and Ursula, you're right. You are not going to have people quit drinking and driving after one drink. Like people are, there are not enough sober drivers in the state, frankly, to make this happen. There are a lot of places where there is no Uber or Lyft service available. It, it, that's a simple fact. There's not public transportation options for everyone to get home safely without drinking. Unfortunately, drinking is a part of our society. And, and and to criminalize that behavior for people who aren't causing a problem, I think that's that's a huge issue. That's a really big issue. But at the same time, if you look at what happened in uh, in Utah, uh, D, um, f- fatalities reduced by I believe about twenty percent after they passed this law. And so it's really hard for me to say we shouldn't do something that reduced DUI fatalities by twenty percent just because it's going to cost a lot of us. Ten to fifteen thousand dollars, and you're going to have a lot more people with criminal records. That's a really fine balance. In 2021, Ursula, thirteen thousand people died across the country. Alcohol impaired driving. It was a fourteen percent increase from 2020. My question to everybody is this: Do we want to decrease or not? Well, then why not? No, why not criminalize distracted driving? I. I 
because we're talking about this one topic. If you want to bring up distracted driving or bring up car seats, we can talk about all those things. I'm specifically talking about drinking and driving. Mm -hmm. That's it. I'm going to talk about that topic right there. And that topic is this. The reason why we are getting no change, the reason why we don't have alcohol detection in vehicles, because it will take a lot of money away. It would take away a lot of money for lawyers. Imagine. Imagine if you got in your vehicle. Of all the things a smartphone and a smart car can do. As a matter of fact, my car can drive me home right now. Mm-hmm. It can drive me home. But you mean to tell me my car can't detect if I've had some alcohol? Why won't they make that, Ursula? You want to know why? Because there's a lot of money in the whole DUI system. Well, G, you actually point to, that's a great point. You know why? Because they have eye tracking detection technology right now and the cameras in your car that would be able to prevent you from driving when you're drunk. But here's the problem. It's also going to stop you from driving if you are slightly tired. It is the exact same thing. It shows up the exact same way on your car. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. (sighs) New bill in Washington state aimed at keeping kids out of homelessness would allow them to enter into rental contracts. The idea is that right now, if you're 16 years old and for some reason you have to leave your parents' house or wherever you're staying, you cannot go out and rent a place by yourself right now uh, if passed. This law would allow teens to enter into rental and utility contracts. Ursula, what do you think about this? I think the chances of a teen being able to rent on their own is like slim to none. (laughs) Again, I'm wondering, like, is this a solution in search of a problem? How big of a problem is this? Those are the questions that I have right now. That's a good question. Yeah, because like many adults can't rent right now. We just mm-hmm. got talk, uh, done talking about how much of an issue it is. I mean, if, if, a, if a homeowner or a property owner is willing to rent to a teenager, uh, a teenager who uh, is on there, I just, I just don't see this as being a big problem. But I guess if they have all the, um, you know, the requirements, the money, the down payment, the first and last month's payment. They have a, 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 a proven record of being able to pay. I guess they should be allowed to rent. But again, I, I just don't think that this is a huge issue. I think you answered it well. I don't think it's a huge issue either. I don't think that there are a lot of 16-year-olds that are being held back because they can't rent an apartment yeah, themselves. Yeah, not, not in this market. <laughs> right? Like, what is that? Wait, if I got this right, rent in Seattle, the average cost is nearly, for a two-bedroom, is 2100 a month. What 16-year-old is like, yeah, I got the money. I can, I can go ahead and afford that 2100 and the utilities and all that. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so if that person does exist, let's yes. say you're 16, you're working full-time, you're not going to school, they can't do it now. Like, it's not possible. So you could have a good-hearted landlord who says, you know what? I, I, I see that kid's in trouble. Like, they showed me yeah. the cash that they had. They showed me their paychecks. But I'm sorry I can't do it. I, I guess I would categorize this one in... What would it hurt if it passed? Yeah. And I, and I don't see any harm being caused by passing it, aside from, hey, it's a short session. They don't have a lot of time for bills. Maybe they could focus their attention elsewhere. Yeah, you bring up a good point. It's a short session. Is this How did this one rise to the top? Uh, okay. Here's some old school right here. I'll tell you why. I, I, okay. I'll tell you why I don't want it to pass. Because I don't want a 16-year-old out there that's like, hey, hey, Frankie, you do know 
that we can go get our own spot now. Oh, that we're 16, right? Oh, like, no. Like, well, not to let's, mention, let's mention stop, the parties right? there. Let's stop going to school, right? I know. I, I, I kind of <laughs> want a little guardrail for a 16-year-old to stay in school. <laughs> All right. Speaking of school. Yeah. Man, what should we teach? What should be mandated? That has been a huge, huge topic of conversation. Oh, boy. Everything from Holocaust history to financial uh, financial literacy and now potentially LGBTQ plus history, as proposed by Senator Marco Leas, who would like to see students in Washington state learn about a segment of our population that has been historically ignored. Gee, what do you have to say about this one? I have to say that coming up in school, Ursula, I spent a lot of time learning about history in other countries, way more than history that I learned about our own country. Mm. And it felt like I was getting like the the sweetened version. Like, you know how you buy some oatmeal or yeah. some cream of wheat and you put some sugar in there, you put some brown <laughs> sugar in there, you put some, some, some raisins in there, you just kind of dress it up. It felt like that was the U.S. history yeah. that I got. I don't care what y'all want to teach. How about we teach this? How about in this country, we teach actual history of our country? I know that might be a threat to some, but it is what it is. You can't sugarcoat it. Sometimes you got to tell that child, that ain't your daddy. I don't know where I was going with that. So, <laughs> Every once in a while, you'll throw something. Huh? Wait. I mean, okay. but, but you got to tell them. Like, sometimes you got to tell them like, that that's not their daddy because they're going to find out at some point. And do you want them to find out at a young okay, age or do you want them to okay. find out in their 30s? I want to go back to the LGBTQ plus history and oh. whether it should be mandated, which was the question. And I'm going to. I skirted around that. Uh, you did. You did. That was good. It was entertaining. But now I got to go back to the. Okay. Good. Uh, okay. I would strongly encourage it. Should it be mandated? Yesterday, we were just talking about financial literacy, and I think that is something that uh, should be mandated. I think that is something that is uh, mm-hmm. critical. Not to, and, and, and not to say that I think LGBTQ plus history is absolutely important. Um, my fear would be that it would be used as another thing for people to get outraged about. Certain segments of our population will be really outraged about that. And I would just say, how about it's strongly encouraged? I would like our kids to learn about the Holocaust. I would like our kids to learn about LGBTQ plus history. I would also like our kids to learn about slavery. I would like our kids to learn. I would like our kids to learn about as many things as possible to broaden their world. Yeah, I do. But. But whether it should be mandated, I don't want to have another thing that is going to pit people against each other. Does that make sense? No, actually, it doesn't. (laughs) I I get why you say it, but like not doing something because you're worried that it's going to anger a subset of the population doesn't seem to be a valid reason for not doing it. Well, I think it's I think it is um, something that is important. Yeah. Again, but but whether it should be mandated, well, I, I guess I'm not at that point. I'm still on the fence with, with all of this because, I mean, gee, we brought this up before. There, there's a strong recommendation that schools recognize the civil rights movement yes. once a year. There's no mandate for that. Yeah. At the same time, we have people spend like a whole semester on Washington state history. And you know what I remember about that? I remember that, let's see, uh, it was really dark and wet when Lewis and Clark came here. They went to a fort in Astoria. And that's about all I recall from that entire semester of Washington State history. If we're going to mandate that, 
Yeah. Like, shouldn't we like actually okay. teach people about the history of all of the different groups in our society and I how they contributed? I absolutely think t- uh, we should. That's what I said. I yeah. think they should all be taught, but whether it should be mandated, should it be mandatory? I just, I, I just a part of your requirement list of requirements. You know, <laughs> it's a fresh Friday. But this three six zero text, this, like, like I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, wow. Listen to this text, y'all. Y'all got to hear it. Thanks again, Chef. I'm so tired of hearing G wanting to throw everyone in jail. Let's throw G in jail for three or four months. Long enough to lose everything and then hear what he has to say. And I'm trying to think to myself, (laughs) self, you've gotten to the point in your radio career that people are telling you G wants to throw everybody in jail. (laughs) I find that interesting. G actually wants people, you ready for this? No. (laughs) Held responsible for their actions. G's also gotten to the point in his radio career where he's comfortable speaking in the third person. (laughs) I know. know. Wait, this is the same G who has talked about decriminalizing drugs, right? Yep. Um, and, and so we've we've had that conversation. You've talked about people being thrown in in jail for the use of marijuana. You're just, I think you're you're passionate about this because you've also seen so many lives that are completely destroyed. That was redundant. Destroyed um, by people who drink and drive. So I I, I think that's. And I've and I've also seen the other side where people get away with. Drinking and driving and because they have a lot of money. And some of the stories that you cannot share, G knows what he's talking about on that uh, on that front. Some of the examples you gave. Yes, there are people who, because they have deep pockets, will get away with things that you and I cannot get away with. But I'm going away today thinking (laughs) that there are some people that's like, that G, he wants to throw everybody in jail. Wow. I mean, I don't know what to think about that. Thanks, Brady. I appreciate you, man. Uh, coming up next on the GNRC show, uh, Oregon has a new governor. And she's in fifth grade? We'll explain that next. GNRC. To the Gian Ursula Show. Happy Fresh Friday to all of you. A couple of days ago, one of our listeners texted in and said, you know, I would love it if you could bring some more heartwarming or more positive, uplifting stories, because a, a lot of the stories were kind of downers. So this one is for you, if you've been feeling that way. And this is happening in Oregon. A new governor has been sworn in, and she's only in fifth grade, G. Her name is Zoya Shaw. On a normal Thursday, she would have been attending classes at Findlay Elementary in the Beaverton School District. But yesterday, she was sworn as as Oregon's seventh kid governor. So fifth graders all across the state cast their votes for kid governor. And each elementary school is allowed to submit a candidate. And her fifth grade classmates voted her in. And this is her platform. My platform is about creating mental health awareness and acceptance in kids. As someone who has suffered from extreme anxiety, this issue is very close to my heart. I was lucky to get the support and tools I needed, but not everyone may get the needed help. And that's why I'm here to ensure no kid who is suffering has to fight this alone. Okay, 
remember, she's in fifth grade. So her three-point mental health plan includes creating awareness, normalizing, and removing the stigma surrounding mental health, uh, identifying triggers that cause anxiety and depression, and then acting to provide support and the tools to cope with it. My vision is to create an environment where you can say, I missed school because I had an anxiety attack, just as easily as saying, I missed school because I had a fever without the fear of being judged. So she hopes to start clubs statewide to provide mental health support to students. She says she'd like five minutes of guided meditation or mindfulness practice included in each school day. She has some specifics. And then the other seven nominees, uh, which were pared down by a panel of judges, they're going to be joining her on the kid cabinet. So hear this. Something that is a community issue in Oregon is that not everybody has a friend to play with at recess. If they like that, then that's okay. But imagine they would prefer hanging out with a friend. Now, think about if you were that kid. How does that feel? I'm guessing it doesn't feel very good. Did you know that one out of every five students reports being bullied and that 42% of that happens in the classroom? That's unacceptable. The reason I want to reduce discrimination is because kids all around the world face discrimination for their skin, gender, culture, religion, and disabilities. A community issue that is important to me is endangered species. In Oregon, the endangered species list includes the rusty patch bumblebee, the wolverine, and the southern sea otter. I'm only in fifth grade, but I don't think it's too early to start thinking about our environment and what our generations is going to have to do to make this state a better place for us and future generations. Okay, I just... Fifth graders. I love it. Okay, so in 2017, Oregon became the second state after Connecticut to start this kid governor program. And of course, it's meant to encourage kids to get in, to involved with... Um, basically civic engagement at a very early age. One out of five kids are bullied. And you heard that little gal say that. First, let me just say this. Um, I can listen to that all day long. It was precious, number one. But number two, there were such good points made in there. Some things that you probably might not hear from a grown adult politicians. So I absolutely loved it. But back to that point of one in five kids being bullied, it also matches with one in five adults reporting being lonely. And I love the part about um, making it be okay to um, get a doctor's note. The reason you missed school is because you had an anxiety attack. And I think that we have addressed, like, there's less of a stigma talking about mental health, right? Like, I get on the air, I tell you guys, I was just at therapy on Tuesday, right? I talk about it. It's not really a big deal. Most people hear that. I'm like, okay, it's not that's a normal. sign of weakness. Right. No doubt about it. But there was a point in time that it was. Now there's the next step, right? There's a next step with this whole mental health and this discussion about that. It is that the next step is it's going to have to be where it's mandatory for workers to have that opportunity. Now, I have an employer that if I do want to take uh, a few days off, I could do that. Like that is real good. That same thing does not happen for a lot of people in the country. Everybody might be physically okay. Your leg might not hurt. Your back might be good. and You can do all those things. But mentally, just upstairs, you're really hurting inside. So I love what that little girl had to say. Okay, I have a question. What do you got? Because we are a show that is very open. Mm -hmm. 
and you have shared that you are getting therapy. Mm-hmm. And just this past week, I actually talked to my um, medical practitioner, it's actually a nurse practitioner this time. And um, I asked, I said, uh, you know, I, I think it was just after what happened with my mom, losing my dad six months ago, just I've been dealing with a lot of loss. And I have always been in my family, the person who is the therapist or the counselor for others. Mm -hmm. And like for the first time in a very, 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 very long time, I kind of feel like I need one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, it was kind of a realization was like, you know what? That's the first step recognizing, you know what? I could use some help. Right. And it sounds like it's something that you just really feel has helped you tremendously. You ever had that friend that tells you about CrossFit all the time? Or you ever had that friend that tells you about being vegan? Or you just had that one friend that always talks about, I could probably get on here and probably bore you guys to death and talk about therapy all the time. And I think I'll just kind of end it with this. The part that I didn't know was I got really to such a bad place that I needed therapy, right? That's with my mind. But what I learned is... I'm in such a better place right now since then. Therapy is no different than the gym. If you're somebody that is like, oh, I got to go to the gym physically because it helps my mind and, and body and all those things, great. But there are some things that's probably that you might need to talk about, that you might need to unpack that haven't been unpacked. And I got to tell you, um, I am just a better person. I look myself in the mirror and I say, like, like, I don't take things so serious anymore. I don't get like emotionally upset. Like I might, you guys might hear me being upset and sounding that way, but I turn off the microphone and I'm back laughing again. You know what I mean? Like that's what's helping help for me. Can can I say, I didn't see you for over a month and I have noticed a tremendous difference coming back. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I just think that it's uh, working. It's working. And I think it works because so often when things are going right or wrong in our lives, we tend to stick out our uh, index finger and point to others and point to situations as to the reason why we, things are happening to us instead of using our thumb to point at ourselves and find out, well, what are you doing? And I think that's good what point. therapy has done. So it's good stuff. That was a good topic. Fifth grade governor. Man, it's awesome. Text messages, feedback. Ursula's words to live by. Next, Jen Ursula. It's Jen Ursula, everybody. Ursula, today has been a fresh Fridays. It really has. It's been fresh. I've enjoyed... My, la- my first two weeks back, I've just enjoyed every single second. Thank you. Good. All right. Well, let's get to these text messages. By the way, some of these text messages. Go, ooh. <sighs> okay. So 50% of renters can't afford housing. That was one, uh, a Harvard study. V in the 206 says, you mean there are people who don't spend 50 to 75% of their income on rent? 425 says, Ursula asked what folks were doing to make ends meet. I'm a mother of three. 
worked in healthcare for 10 years. I'm still not making enough money, and even as a student now, I've turned to part-time sex work in order to make ends meet. I never thought I'd be here, but it's paying my bills. Okay, I, I, I want to say heartbreaking, but that also sounds like I'm judging. I'm, I, I'm not judging. I'm trying not to judge. 253 says, I am a single mom. I live in Pierce County in a mobile home park. I own my home, but I lease the land it's on. The rent is 1100 a month. When we first moved into the house, the rent was 643 They raised my rent because of fair market value. My rent almost doubled in a blink of an eye. With the cost of food and gas so high, I struggled paying for the lower rent. I honest don't honestly don't know how I'm going to be paying for the higher rent. I thought about selling my home and moving, but I would have to live in an apartment. Apartment rent is ridiculously high. Heidi in North Bend says, I bought a single wide trailer two years ago because it was cheaper for me to buy a two bedroom trailer than it was for me to rent a studio apartment anywhere on the east side. For reference, I work at Microsoft and I still couldn't afford an apartment. Mm. Lillian North Mason says, try living on $800 a month and living on the side of the road. Trucker Joe says, my retired mom was going to be evicted. Now she's homeless for two months now. She lives in her car. Man, there's a lot here. Um, My son is a postal carrier in Seattle. His rent for a one bedroom is very close to 50% of his salary. He walks to work and is selling his car to save on gas, insurance, and the parking spot he has to pay for at the apartment. Christina Renton says, good morning. Happy Fresh Fridays. My take-home pay is $4,000 a month. My rent is $2,500 a month plus utilities. I am as broke as ever. Okay, on the topic of gift cards, Ray in Bellevue says, I only think a gift card is lazy if it comes from someone very close to me. Joan in the 360 says, I'm 83. The first time I gave my grandson, then three, three $1 bills in his third birthday card, he turned to his mom saying, Mommy, is this cash? (laughs) 16 years ago. (laughs) Uh... Joe in Bellingham says, teach your hair, love me a Starbucks gift card. Let's go. Hey, Sandina425 says, would much more prefer a gift card than a gift I don't want or need, and it almost immediately gets donated. And as a fan of Starbucks, I definitely appreciate a free coffee or two. They're expensive. Okay, I would just say a majority of our listeners say they love gift cards. Okay, Scenario says, should I call out people with fake service animals? 206 says, gee, people do the same thing when renting my apartments. It is infuriating because I have a no pet policy and I have to make exceptions for people cheating the system. Wow. Uh-oh, here's a topic. Should Washington lower the BAC to 0.05? 360 says, oh, gee, thank you for you for your take on Drinking and driving. On drinking and driving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian in Bellevue says, fatalities reduced in traffic collisions, yes, but imagine the downward spiral of an individual who suddenly gets a DUI after blowing .05. 360 says, do you want a dentist drilling on your teeth at a .05? How about a pilot at .05? No. Nick says, lowering the legal BAC limit wouldn't prevent rich people from hiring DUI attorneys, paying a bunch of cash, and getting off on a technicality. 360 says, when I drove Uber, I had a passenger tell me that after his 12th DUI, he decided to start taking Uber. 12th. And then there's 425 who says, why don't we just enforce the laws we already have on the books? The t- statistics indicate most fatalities are caused by people who haven't who have been caught multiple times. It's true. Deanna, totally agree with Chef on this. This coming from a social drinker. Gee, this would adversely affect poor people. 
Okay. There, a lot, there was. Okay, can I just, I got to say one thing. One thing I've noticed since I've been back. Man, our text line has been crazy. You all are such a huge part of our show. We also try to remember to look at our uh, G and Ursula show Facebook messages. So thank you for that. Um, But again, just really appreciate the involvement. It really has been. And, and, And look, when you were gone, it was, I just want to let you know, it was not like this. It, it seems like over the last two weeks, and especially this week, as chef, as you're the one that goes to get, your job is to it's get the text. It's too much, y'all. It's too much. <laughs> no, no, no. We love it. No, no, no. we do. We love we it. We don't respond immediately. We'll, we'll respond eventually or just know that we're reading all of them. By I the actually, way. I actually stay late. You know. I stay yeah. late and I read through every single one of our text If you messages. haven't thrown your name on uh, your text message yet, do it. We love uh, having your name attached. Yes. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right, Russell. Let's get to words to live by. Brought to you by Wilcox Farms. Well, we talked about that young gal, the fifth grade who was Oregon's governor for the day. She, her platform was mental health. Yeah. And uh, you shared openly about going to therapy. And now I, I'm thinking about doing it too. Oh, actually, I'm not just thinking. I will be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a quote regarding self-care. Self-care is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. It is giving the world the best of you instead of what's left of you. Yo. Giving the world the best of you instead of what's left of you. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, That's pretty good. I think it's a good reminder for us all. All right. Ursula, it's Friday. You know what I'm about to ask. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) What you about to do? (laughs) I'm taking my husband to one of those medical appointments that we don't like where you have to drink that thing, you know, that... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, we're doing that, and okay. then I'm gonna have a fun weekend. Get together with friends. Get together nice. with family. Nice. How about you? Uh, so Griselda just came out on Netflix, and I didn't really get a chance to watch it, so I was so busy. Uh, it's about the the lady back in the day. She used to make eighty million dollars a month. She was from Medellin, uh, Colombia, mm-hmm. and all that kind mm-hmm. of good stuff. So. I can't wait to watch that tonight. That's what I'm going to be doing. I can't wait. Chef? I'm going to be attending uh, my son's basketball game and doing my level best not to yell at a seven-year-old basketball referee. I was going to say. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Especially if it eventually becomes a felony. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Brady, what are you doing the rest of the day, man? I think later tonight I'm going to be going and getting some drinks with some friends. Hopefully maybe find a a lady to get that Victoria's Secret gift card to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Open with that, Brady. Uh, okay, Brady. I'm be yard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a fresh Friday sign off right there. <laughs> Anyone who hadn't heard his earlier comment will be, well, Brady, what a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> they think that anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Jack and Spike show comes up next. You guys have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday. We appreciate you for listening. Love you for that. And as always, be kind. Hope you have as much fun as we have. So long, everybody.